of Acts chapter 19, the book of Acts chapter 19. We're going to start in verse 11 this morning. Thank you to our worship team. Thank you to all of our team that does so many people that it takes to make things operate. Our men's breakfast was good. Listen, if you've not yet been to a men's breakfast first Sunday of every month at 8.30, the Family Life Center, I encourage you to come and be a part of that. Thank you to those that, that cook make that happen those that speak and give the devotion thank you to our greeters our sunday school teachers nursery workers so many people that make this happen our sound and media team thank you so much to everybody uh, that is such a faithful part the book of acts chapter 19 verse 11 as there's still a few more you notice i'm, I'm trying to i know i pastor in a college town so every once in a while I'm trying to get out of a suit and kind of look you know somewhat young and i've been to winterfest with our youth they're still up there for the last service this morning they'll be coming back thank you for your prayers but if you would pray for them that the lord would be with them as they travel back and i have an urgent prayer request uh that sister rita blanton asked us to pray for her niece carly mixon she is on a ventilator and she needs the Lord to touch her in a powerful way. How many of you believe that God's still a healing God? So I want us to pray in just a moment. We're going to read and we're going to pray. So let's we'll pray for Carly at that point also. And also retired Pastor Lamar Davis. He's also had COVID and he needs a touch from the Lord. Let's read this and then we're going to pray. Acts chapter 19 verse 11. If you got it, would you say amen? I'm reading from the NIV. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day, the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and I know about Paul, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. When this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed their evil deeds. My Lord, stop, put your finger right there for a second. Can I just tell you something? Even us Christians have got to come and confess and repent sometimes. Well, I got a few amens there. <laughs> Verse 19, a number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. I want to speak to you this morning on the subject, does the devil know your name? Does the devil know? know your name. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for what you've done here so far. Thank you, O oh Lord, for how you've touched our youth, Lord, up in Winterfest. And we do pray that you continue to be with them as I'm sure that service is probably over. As they travel back today, would you be with them and put a hedge of protection about them? Father, we pray, Lord, for Carly Mixon today. Lord, we lift her up to you, Lord, in this urgent moment. And we just declare healing over her body right now in the name of Jesus Christ. 
Christ. Lord, we curse that COVID, that pneumonia, everything that is affecting her right now in the name of Jesus Christ. And we declare that by your stripes she has been healed. Lord, invade. Let your healing power invade that, um, that ICU right now in Jesus' mighty name and bring complete and total healing, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Father, I pray today that you'd help me, that you'd anoint me from the top of my head to the soles of my feet to preach your word. Let me preach it like a man from another world. Lord, open every heart, mind, and spirit here in person, listening by podcast, that you'd touch them, that the word of God would fall on good ground and bring forth a mighty harvest. And Lord, today I do pray for Brother Lamar Davis, Lord, as he also was dealing with the effects of COVID. Would you touch him and heal him? Raise him up, O oh Lord, right now in the mighty name of Jesus. I give you thanks and praise for it in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. As you're seated, turn around to two or three people and ask them, does the devil know your name? As you're doing that, if somebody pull these house lights up for me, I might be boring this morning and I might put somebody to sleep in the dark. So give me just a little bit of house light. Does the devil know your name? At the beginning of this message, I want to remind you of just a few things this morning. I want to remind you that we believe three important things about God. I know we believe more than that, but three things I want to hit this morning. Number one, we believe that God is omnipotent. Everybody say omnipotent. That means that he is all-powerful. Everybody say all-powerful. We believe, secondly, that he is omnipresent. Everybody say omnipresent. You know what that means? It means that he is at all places at all times. He's right here in Starkville, Mississippi with us in this sanctuary. He's also all around this town at other churches that have gathered and are worshiping him. He's not only here in Starkville, Mississippi, but right now he's with our youth group up there in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. Not only is he there in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, but right now many of you here in this room I know as international students, you've got family back in your home country just like he's right here. He's back there at home also with your friends and your family. We believe that God is an omnipresent God. In fact, it was Jonah that mentioned that even though when he, how many of you still believe what the Bible said? That we don't just, these aren't just cute stories. I still believe that a great fish swallowed a man named Jonah who was running from God and that he lived in the belly of that whale or fish or whatever it was for three nights in three days. And the Bible tells us Jonah spoke about it while he was down in the belly of that well, down at the bottom of the sea. He said, even in the very depths, you are here with me. Can I tell you that God was with Jonah down in the belly of that well at the bottom of the sea? Now, I don't know that anybody's in the bottom of the well, but I know we've got some good men and women serving in our, our United States forces that are down in submarines, down in the bottom. And I want to tell you that God is there with them also. And we've got astronauts, perhaps, up in the space station. Can I tell you 
that God is omnipresent and he is up there. Can I just say this today, that God is omnipresent and there's no place you're going to go. You're not going to go too deep. You're not going to go too high. You're not going to get hidden too much to go to a place where God's presence is not there. Come on, give God praise if you believe that this morning. If y'all could help me out with just a little monitor this morning, I would appreciate it. Well, we know he's omnipotent. We believe he's omnipresent. But we also believe that he's omniscient. Everybody say omniscient. That means that he is all-knowing, that he knows everything, that there is nothing that he does not know. He knows everything that there is to know. He knows it. He knows it before it ever even comes about. He knows it before it ever even happens. God knows everything. So we believe in this God that is omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient. Therefore, I believe that there has never been a human being that God Almighty did not know their name. You see, I believe that God knows your name. Every person sitting in this house right now, thank you so much. Every person sitting in this house right now, God knows your name. Every person that is listening right now by podcast, God knows your name. There has not been a person born on this planet that God Almighty did not know their name. And not Not only does he know your name, but I need you to hear me today. He died for you to have freedom from sin. So he knows you, and he died so that you don't have to die and go to hell because he loves you with an everlasting love. You see, Peter wrote in 2 Peter 3 and 9, he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I still believe that it is God's will for every man, woman, boy, and girl. It doesn't matter your skin color. It doesn't matter if you're red or yellow, black and white. You're precious in his sight, as we used to sing in children's church and Sunday school. Listen, it doesn't matter today what your education is. You might be a high school dropout, but he knows you. He died for you and he loves you. You may be sitting here today and you may hold multiple PhDs, but I'm telling you that he knows you, he loves you, and he died for you. I don't know what your family lineage is. You may have some respectable name. You might have some people in your family that they are royalty back in the day, or maybe they had a high status in society. Maybe you're kin to some of the people like Kennedys and and, and some of the people that have held all in the United States before. Maybe you're kin to them, or maybe you're like me, and I know a few people back in my family that have run illegal casinos before and got some sketchy past, but can I tell you, no matter what your heritage and your lineage is, I'm thankful today that God knows you. He knows your name. He loves you. He cares about you, and he died for you, and he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You see, I need you to know that Jesus knows you. He loves you and he died for you. You that feel hopeless right now, you that feel like all 
hope is lost, you need to hear this preacher today and know that Jesus knows you, loves you, and died for you. You that can't get free from the drugs, you that can't get free from the alcohol, you that can't get free from the pornography, I need you to hear me today and know that Jesus knows you, he loves you, and he died for you. You that can't stay faithful to your spouse, you that are confused about your sexuality, you woman that feel like you're a man trapped in a woman's body and vice versa. I need you to know today that Jesus knows you. He loves you. He cares about you. He died for you. He wants to save you and redeem you. You that can't decide if you believe that Jesus is the way or Allah is the way or Buddha is the way or maybe you're sitting there thinking, I don't even know if there is a way anymore. I need you to hear me today and know that Jesus Christ knows you, loves you, died for you, and wants you to be in heaven with him. Give God praise if you believe it today. So when you preach a message like I'm preaching, I think it's important for us to lay that foundational work. And now that we have, let's look at our text you see, we find, first of all, the background. We've been in the past couple of weeks looking at the Apostle Paul already, really at the beginning of his ministry. And there's a few more pieces of rope here if anybody wants some rope and you didn't get any in the past couple of weeks. And maybe you listened to the podcast. There's still some rope here as we preached about holding the rope. And we looked at the beginning of Paul's ministry. But now when we come to the book of Acts chapter 19, we find that Paul's been at it for a while now. He's been ministering in Asia He's gone from Corinth to Ephesus. Uh, he's had, he had met a group of disciples, and he shared with them about the baptism in the Holy Ghost. He then laid his hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. I'm just going to stop and put a plug in right there and let you know I am still convinced that this world today needs the baptism in the Holy Ghost. I'm thankful that last night over eight, thousand teens were in the Lacante Convention Center in Pigeon Forge and the evangelist boldly preached that every one of them needed to be baptized in the Holy Ghost with the initial evidence of speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. I am still convinced that we cannot do what must be done today without the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Somebody say amen. He then goes to the synagogue which was his habit. He went and he taught there for three months until they became completely obstinate. Oh, my. You see, I believe that Scripture teaches us over and over and over again that when revival comes, it's going to come to the church first. In fact, Scripture tells us if my people, God gives the, you've heard this before, God gives the formula for revival. He says, if my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. What's that whole thing start with, first of all? If my people. You see, the Lord always is going to show up at the church first. Can I just tell you this? Now, don't take me out of context here. I'm talking about he's going to show up first. God is always going to show up at the church first. He's not going to show up at the bar first. He's going to show up at the church first. 
He's not going to show up at the grocery store first. He's going to show up at the church first. He's not going to show up at the LGBT meeting first. He's going to show up at the church first. Now, don't misunderstand me and misquote me because once he shows up at the church, it is our responsibility to then take him out of here like wildfire so that every man, woman, boy, and girl can receive him. But we find the pattern in Scripture is that God always shows up at the church first. I wish you'd look at your neighbor and say, God's going to show up here first. <laughs> he left the synagogue because they became obstinate. That's a whole other sermon in itself that I don't have time for. But he left the synagogue because they were so obstinate, and he went on to the lecture hall of Tyrannus, where he taught then for two years in this lecture hall. Now, let's understand something here. That not only was this just lecturing, but we find that he performed extraordinary miracles. Look again with me at our text at verses 11 and 12. I want you to see that again. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. So that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. You see, so it wasn't just a boring. Now, now let's not get too carried away because I know that Paul could get boring. Y'all don't believe that? You read on and you find that Paul was talking so long one night. The Bible said that there was a young man and he was sitting up in at least, I believe, the second or third story window. And Paul kept on going and going and going. And that young man was sitting in that window. And what happened? Like some of y'all, I know on Sunday, I see y'all some. That's why I said pull the lights up. Like some of y'all sometimes. I know how it is. Listen, I'm not trying to act like I've sat in the service before and been tired. My Lord, we drove from Pigeon Forge yesterday. I'm a little bit tired myself right now. But that young man, he was sitting there listening to Paul, and he <laughs> falls out the window. And he has to go down there and pray for him and see him healed and resurrected. So, so let's not try to act like, oh, this was just the most, you know, like it was some exciting. It was, listen, I believe sometimes it was long and it was boring, but something was happening. He was teaching. He was preaching. He was talking about God. And at the same time, sick people were coming in. People that couldn't walk were being toted in, and they were walking out on their own power. People that had blinded eyes, they were coming in, and they couldn't see a thing, and they were walking out with their 2020 vision. Come on, somebody help me here today. You see, the Bible said that extraordinary thing, they were take, that's why we do what we do. That's why we, I know we haven't done it a lot here lately, but listen, how many of you been in this long enough? You know what a prayer claw, I know there's a Kleenex, but that's why they had prayer claws. And they were taking claw handkerchiefs and aprons and anything that they could from Paul. And they were taking them away from there and putting them on sick folks. And they were being healed by the power of God. God was just doing all kinds of things. Paul was set up here two years preaching, teaching. Supernatural things were happening. Well, this naturally caused others to want to operate in the supernatural as well. And let's just be honest. I don't, I don't think that in and of itself is a bad thing, is it? I mean, Jesus said, these signs shall follow them that believe. You're going to lay hands on the sick. They're going to recover. You're going to cast out devils. Isn't, isn't that what this Bible said? Jesus said we would do. 
I think there should be a desire within us to do these things, but the desire must be with the right motive. Uh, there's a whole other sermon in that, but somebody say motive matters. <laughs> so they wanted to see these things, but many of this which was caused by simply a motive that they wanted to get fame and popularity, and they wanted the 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 lights and the glamour and the spectacle that came from being the one to do this. So we find then that there were some Jews, the Bible said, that had been going around driving out evil spirits. One such group we find in our text were seven brothers, and this you can dig into this a little bit more. Some commentators say that they're not even sure that they were even, these guys were so crooked, they may not have even been sons of the guy named Sceva. They may have been lying about that. But for whatever you want to believe, these guys, the seven brothers who claimed to be the sons of a priest named Sceva, were going around invoking the name of Jesus whom Paul preached. And apparently they had been doing this for some time until one day something happened. Come on, make sure your neighbor's awake and say something happened. <laughs> Look at verse 13. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits, tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and I know about Paul, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them, overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating, they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. Somebody say, that was a bad day. <laughs> My Lord, I, you know, that's just something about church folks, especially us preachers, when we get, get around each other and we talk about some of the crazy stuff that happens in church sometime. Listen, I am thankful that that ain't never happened to me. That'd be a bad day. Come on, everybody say, bad day. These dudes have obviously been doing it for a while, but one day they ran into this demon that just wasn't going to go, and he's like, Jesus, I know, and I've even heard of Paul, but who do you boys think you are? Beat them. One dude under this demonic power beats up seven of them, strips their clothes off, and they leave out of there naked and bloody. So this brings me to my main thought then. Number two, does the devil know your name? Now, we establish at the beginning that God knows all. But I need you to know just as much as we talked about how God is what omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent, that just as God is those things, the devil is not those things. Can I tell you that the devil is not omnipotent? He is not all-powerful. Can I remind you that Satan is not omniscient? He does not know it all. Can I tell you that the devil is not omnipresent? He is a created being, and he can only himself be in one place at one time. He is limited in every way. We know and we believe according to the Scripture that a third of the angels of heaven fell when he was kicked out of heaven. And so, yes, we know that he has demons that, that are in submission to him and that operate with him. But still we know that he is, even they, it is still a limited amount of resources that the enemy 
has. I need somebody to hear that. When you get so scared of the devil, can I remind you that he is limited in what he has? And may I propose to you this morning that an enemy with limited resources will know only those who are a real threat to him and his kingdom. He said, Jesus, I know, dear Lord, you better believe every devil in hell knew who Jesus was. Jesus, I know. He even said, I know about Paul. Paul's done been working for the Lord enough, been doing enough. That words done spread in the realms of hell about this guy named Paul. He said, I know about Paul. He said, but who are you? You see, they were such a non-threat that the devil didn't give the effort to know who they were. So I ask you this this morning, does the devil know your name? Hear me this morning. I want you to get this. I don't want you to, please don't cut me off now because if you take this right now, I think you'll get the wrong idea. But I want you to understand that the enemy won't waste his limited resources on you if you are not a threat to him or his kingdom. But when you get serious about your walk for the Lord, when you decide to live wholeheartedly for God, when you walk in the calling He has placed on you and allow God to anoint you, then the enemy suddenly starts to take notice. When you start becoming a threat to the enemy, you suddenly put yourself in his crosshairs. He'll attack you. He'll attack your family. He'll attack your church. Remember, when the enemy comes after you, that you have become a threat to him. Now, I know some of you probably, you may have heard this, you may not have. You don't hear as much of this preached anymore like you used to, but you showed up at the right place today because you need to hear this. Don't let this worry you. And let me just be just open with you here today. There have been times in my life where it has, I've realized this concept and it's concerned me. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm going to be open with you. There have been times in my life before where I've been like, hmm, if I really get serious about God, I mean, if God just really starts opening doors and I really start working for Him and the power of God is moving and God's blessing and God's doing all this, I'm suddenly going to stick up like a red flag and the hell is going to take notice and He's going to come after me. Come on, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Look, as long as you're just coasting along and you don't care, you just you ain't messing with the devil, you ain't never witnessing to nobody, you, you ain't never trying to tell nobody about Jesus, you just kind of just coasting right along. And I, He is limited in resources, and He ain't going to bother you. As long as you're just plopping yourself, you ready for this? My God, we got a good crowd here today. I hope I don't run you off, but i got to preach the truth. Well, if you're just coming in and plopping yourself on the seat, and that's about all you do for God is just plop in on Sunday morning and that's it, you ain't going to show up on the enemy's radar. But listen, don't let this worry you. I told you I've let this worry me before. The devil knew Paul. And the devil attacked Paul many times. In fact, that's what I just preached about the previous two weeks in this holding the rope. 
that the devil attacked Paul. But listen, the devil couldn't get his hands on him until God was done. Now, it took some faithful followers that were willing to hold the rope. And you can go back and listen to the last two podcasts if you want to hear about that. But listen, Paul realized and he knew that no weapon formed against him was going to prosper. He knew that greater was he that was in him than he that is in the world. He realized that if God be for him, then who could be against him? And so this morning, I'm trying to remind you of that. Don't you be afraid of stepping out for God. And I'm going to give you something. I'm going to give you something that I picked up along the way that helped me in this also. Because I told y'all there were times in my life, and you know, fear, fear ain't from God. Fear is from the enemy. And the enemy used this fear, I believe, to try to just kind of squelch me and just calm me down and just not get out and get too excited and, and pray too much and preach too much and all that. Here's, here's The enemy tried to use this concept against me and did successfully for a time until finally the revelation came and I realized, y'all ready for this, that the higher you get, in the ranks, the more protection. <laughs> Come on, you got you got the you got the front line soldiers. You got the guys and the I don't want to miss uh, leave anybody out. The guys and the gals in the front lines of the military. And they come straight out of boot camp, and they out there on the front lines, and they out there, and they, they are the front line. They out there with no cover. They out there the ones that are being the cover. But you go up just a little bit more. You start getting up to sergeants and staff sergeants, and you get on up to colonel. By the time you get on up to colonels and generals and all the way up to the commander-in-chief, what happens? More and more layers that are around them. Can I just tell you this? We used to sing this again in children's church. We used to say, I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. I'm in the Lord's army. Let me just tell you something here today. When you are willing to say, God, I'm putting myself in your hands. I want more of you. I want to serve you. I want to live for you. I'm ready to storm hell. I'm ready to believe that God is ready ready to do great things and see revival come. The closer you get to God, I believe the more angels that he'll dispatch. Yes, the enemy wants you. Yes, you become a high-value target, but God also dispatches his angels and his forces and his spirit around you, and he'll protect you. So don't let what the enemy did to me for some time happen to you. That you get afraid to fast, to seek God, to really step out there and put yourself out there because you're afraid. Yes, you'll become, a, you'll become a priority target for the enemy, but God's not going to just leave you out there by yourself. He is going to be, the Bible talks about David, the psalmist wrote about how he's going to be my front guard, how he's going to be my rear guard, how he's going to be my side guard. You see, yeah, the enemy way want to get me, but I go back to the fact that greater is he 
that is in me than he that is in the world. And I will not fear what he can do to me. I mean, what would happen if some, some of you college students went back over to campus after class over in the drill field, just started telling people about Jesus? What would happen if you started walking over there and find people that were sick and start laying hands on them and the sick start to recover? Because I'm telling you, that's what I've been praying. And just about everywhere that I go, I ask people to pray with me for revival at Starkville Church of God and Starkville, Mississippi, and the campus of Mississippi State University. I'm believing revival is coming. I'm believing God's about to raise up an army. God's about to raise up young men and young women full of the Holy Ghost of God, and He is going to begin to send revival to this place. Thirdly, we find that this event, now this is what everybody got quiet about. This event brought repentance. Everybody say, the event brought repentance. Look at verse 17 again. When this became known to the Jews, the Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear. And the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed their evil deeds. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together, burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, it came to 50,000 drachmas. And this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. When word of this story got out, and let me just tell you, God was still able to get word out before there was ever a phone, a text message, a Facebook an Instagram, a TikTok, a LinkedIn, a whatever. Even go back to MySpace. Before even that, even before MySpace, God was able to get word out. Somebody say amen. They recognized the difference between somebody that actually knew God like Paul and somebody that was simply trying to use God as a tool or as some sort of good luck charm like the sons of Sceva were. And because this happened, it brought repentance. Who did we say that was? Many, verse 18, many of those who believed now came and openly confessed their deeds. You study scripture in the book of Acts. When, when the Bible talks about believing and believers, that's Christians. So when this happened, it shook up the church. I mean, folks that have been sitting, can I just preach? I know that this is timeline, but I, let me just throw it in here. Stay with me. Folks have been sitting in the pews for years. Suddenly, when this happened, got scared. And they started coming to the altar and repenting of sins. Man, y'all are quiet. I mean, this must be really, really good or really, really bad. I don't know. I think it's really, really good because it's the word. This ain't really me. I mean, folks, folks that have been singing on the praise team, playing instruments, teaching Sunday school for years. The believers, when this happened, fear. Now, not the kind of fear that we don't like, but how many of you still believe that we still need to have a fear of the Lord? In fact, the book of Proverbs tells us the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. So there's a difference between fear, being afraid, and having a fear of the Lord. And it was that holy, reverent fear of God that hit the church. And the church folks started confessing stuff. 
Now, I don't think it was a, and I hope it wasn't, not one of them pass the mic, everybody just, you know, start laughing. I believe it was one of those things, and I've seen that just a few times where the people of God just come and fall in the altars and begin to weep and confess to God their sins. Listen, folks, I, I truly believe it. And you say, oh, Pastor, I'm on, I'm, I want to be careful here because I don't want to hurt your feelings, but i got to preach you the truth. Listen, I told you that revival is going to have to start in the house of God. And for revival to come, it's going to have to start in the house of God, and it's going to have to start with all of us starting with the preacher having some of those moments where the fear and the awe and the reverence of God and the convicting power of the Holy Ghost arrests us in such a way that even the believers first come and find ourselves on our faces confessing our sins and asking for the Lord to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Because that's what John wrote, didn't he? That, that, that if you confess your sins, what? He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. Oh, I would to God that the Holy Ghost of God would hit Starkville Church of God in such a way that all of us again would find ourselves on our faces repenting to God, asking for His forgiveness, cleanse our lives of the stuff that don't belong. Oh, my Lord. It brought repentance from Christians. We find then that they begin to bring, I got to keep moving, I got a little bit more, but I, I, I want to get to here. Verse 19, a number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came in to 50,000 drachmas. You see, these believers realized that even though they were saved, even though they were believers, they still needed to get sanctified. They still had junk in their life that they needed to get rid of. And I'm pretty sure this has been a long long time ago sister linda may remember i had a sermon and i believe i preached it in water valley when i preached for brother hank and i had a sermon that was based on this and i would invite people invite people i'd i'd have a burn pit and i invited people to say hey if you got some junk in your house that you need to get rid of and you need to burn bring it with you and we're gonna burn it I know that's old-fashioned holiness-type preaching. And I hope y'all have kind of gotten the message from, from me here today. I've told y'all before, I don't care what, I don't care. The lights don't matter if we pull these pews out and have chairs. I, I don't care if I've got on dress shoes or I've got on these Nike tennis shoes. That's not the stuff that matters. But what does matter, what does matter is the Word of God. What does matter is that we clean up our lives and that we make sure that everything is right. And so I've come this morning with a message that might not be popular anymore, but I Asking you, what do you got in your life? And I'm not going to feel led by the Lord to do that here. And I'm not going to put up a burn barrel next week and have a burning. But I am going to ask you. I'm going to ask you to look in your house. And maybe there's some stuff you need to burn on your own. Oh, God help me. I'm going to sit down for this because I want to be calm and I want to speak clearly. Maybe there's some stuff you need to throw in the garbage. 
maybe now we kind of get to the point, maybe there's some stuff you need to delete off your computer and off your phone. Maybe there's some people that you've been contacting and then you, you need to get rid of that. My God, let me just keep on going for just a minute. Maybe there's some stuff that the Lord, I don't want to pray, that the Holy Spirit right now, not because I'm anybody or I'm something, but because I'm preaching what the book said here today, and I believe the Holy Ghost is here in this house, that he just began to move on the hearts of the people. And if there is anything in our lives that don't need to be there, if revival's going to start in the church, then repentance has got to start in the church. And maybe there's some stuff in our lives that we say we have got to get rid of. I had one such of those burnings one time. And we did it at our church in Alton, Illinois. We had one of those and we had bought, we had bought, and listen, this is kind of where I don't want to get, I'm running out of time quick. And I know, listen, there's also a thing, and you've heard me mention this on the fly sometimes, there's a thing called personal convictions. And I will never forget, we had bought, me and her had bought for, I think it was PlayStation 2 or 3, we had bought the rock band thing. This is taking me back a little way. You know, you had it, it came with the little guitar, it came with the drums, we got the set, we got it on sale, and it had the drums, it had the guitar, it had the microphone, and listen, it was fun. But both of us agreed in, in one of those stages on there and you go into one of them rooms and you're doing this there was a pentagram on on the wall of this thing and the lord dealt with us and, and we just felt like that it wasn't for us so i took that guitar we did it was an agreement between both of us we were both and took that guitar and took that microphone and took that game and we we burn it because we felt like in our lives that that was not something that we needed in it. Now, I know that, listen, there's some things that the Bible talks about that are very, very specific and that we need to do. But I also do believe that the Bible also teaches that there's some stuff, and the Bible's clear about this, there's some stuff that you're going to have to follow the conviction of the Holy Ghost about. Personal convictions. Listen, there may be some stuff that the brother or sister beside you that, that the Lord hasn't dealt with them about, and it's all right, but God's been dealing with you about it. And listen, don't you worry about what they're doing or what they're not doing or any of that. You just better worry about what God is saying to you. In fact, Brother Alex, this morning in our men's, let me plug the men's breakfast one more time, talked about a little 10-second rule, talked about how when God speaks, you better act on it pretty quick. In fact, you better do it in about 10 seconds. Or you'll explain it away and forget about it. Mm, I got I to shut this down. I got to quit. Come on, let the musicians and everybody come on up here. I got to quit this. Last thing here this morning. So the solution is for us to know God. Now, I told you, I don't want you to mistake this. I don't want you to really end this. The, the end game to all this is not that I'm worried about whether the devil knows my name or not. It's not that I want to be on Satan's speed dial. In fact, I'd prefer not to be. <laughs> yes. So that's not the point. But the point is this. 
that when you are close to God and you start letting Him work in your life, then you will go on the devil's radar. And like he said, Jesus I know, the devil said, and Paul I've heard of. You start making noise for the kingdom of God. You start witnessing to friends and co-workers and people getting saved. It's going to shake hell up a little bit and you're going to pop up on their radar. So listen, it's not about, oh, I want the devil to know my name. No. It's about Matthew 11 and 29. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. You see, Jesus knows us. I open this whole thing up with this. Jesus knows us. In fact, Scripture says he knows the number of hairs on our head or the lack thereof in some of our cases. But do we know him? Isaiah 55 and 6 says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Stand with me, if you will, please, all over the building. I know what time it is, and I'm not here to try to make something happen. Because I believe God don't have to have me make nothing happen. I'm just going to do what he says, and he'll make stuff happen. Does the devil know your name? Once again, it's not about, oh, I really want the devil to know my name. No. But it's about, am I, am I so close to God? Am I such a force for the kingdom of heaven that the devil can't help but notice what's going on? Starful Church of God, that, that's what I want. That's what I want for this church. Not that, oh, yeah, we want the devil to know about Starful Church of God. It's done been here 100 years. I'm pretty sure he knows about it by now. <laughs> But what it is about is I want this church to start making such an impact in this city, on that campus over there, that, that the devil just can't help but notice. He starts asking demons, what in the world's going on over there? What's happening? There, there were 10 people was on there. I had them coming to hell, and 10 people, now they're on their way to heaven. What in the world's going on? What's going on with that girl Grace and meeting on Friday nights? And some of, the, some of those Muslims are quitting on, on Allah, and now they've gotten saved and given their heart to Jesus. Hey, the devil's going to take notice of that. That's what I want. I want God to start moving in this place in such a way. I want God to start blessing and healing and delivering in such a way that it's not about does the devil know. It's that he can't help but know. What's going on? Every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. We find in this, in this text something very important happened. That when Paul showed up in town, he showed up first at the synagogue, which in our representation is the church. I told you, the Lord said, if my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray. Seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. When revival came, church people started repenting 
and started cleaning out their house from stuff that needed to not be there anymore. Now, I know that this is a very delicate moment, and I hope you, if you've been here enough, you know that I'm never going to do anything to embarrass anybody. And what I want to see is what I've already said. I don't want to see, oh, let's everybody pick up the mic and confess our deepest, darkest secrets. No, but what I would like to see is people on their faces, just them and God, confessing to Him stuff that's in their life that they know doesn't need to be there anymore. What I do want to hear is testimony of people that say, you know, I had some stuff, there was some stuff, and I just knew the Holy Ghost got a hold of me and I had to get rid of it. So here's what I want to ask you this morning, church. I'm talking to the church this morning. Believers, if you're here, you say, you know, I'm ready. I'm ready for revival. I'm ready for God to use me. I'm ready. I'm ready for the devil to know my name. Not because I want to be on his speed dial, but I want to be such a threat to hell that the devil can't help but know my name. Would you come and find a place in these altars? I promise you nobody's going to ask you what you, any sins. Nobody's going to. But I want you to get with God this morning. I want you to get honest with God. Would you come right now and find a place in these altars? Right here, right now. You say, I'm ready. I'm ready for the devil to know my name. I'm not going to let fear keep me back. I'm ready to shake hell. I am ready for God to use me in such a way. Come on, find your place right here, right now. Come on, find a place in these altars right now. I promise you, nobody's going to ask you nothing. This is between you and God. Maybe there's some folks you need to get up here and you need to repent of some stuff. That's your business. That's you and God's business. But I want to I want to open the altars right now. The Holy Ghost is here right now, and he's drawing. He's drawing. He's drawing his people. Come on, that's it. Don't be shy. Don't be afraid. This is a moment. Look at all these folks up here. You're not going to stick out. This is a moment between you and the Lord. This is a time for you and God to get alone and say, hey, it's time for me. i got to get down to business. It's time for me to start praying like I need to. It's time for me to start giving and tithing like I need to. It's time for me to start reading my Bible like I need to. It's time for me to start coming to church regularly like I need to. It's time for me to start doing the stuff that I know I need to do. It's time for me to delete some junk off my phone. It's time for me to get some stuff out of my house. It's time for even me to get some people out of my life, some negative influences, some people that are constantly trying to pull me down a wrong road. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, come on, don't be shy. Don't be shy. Come on, come on, don't sit there any longer. You know you feel the wooing of the Holy Ghost. Don't let this moment pass by. Don't let this moment pass you by. You may have longer than 10 seconds. That's just kind of generalization. But listen, it is the, the principle there is so true. You better do it if the Holy Ghost is moving on you right now. Come on before you brush it off. Come on before you explain it away. Come on before you let the devil talk you out of it. Get to this altar right now. Have a moment with just you and the Lord and say, God, I want to give everything that I am to you. I want to give you all that I am and all that I have. I want to be used by you.
Shema mama shete be koriala na boshete me kashala na maha. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray that a spirit of repentance would just come all over this house right now. All over this house right now. I pray for Starkville Church of God. Let a spirit of repentance come upon us right now. In the name of Jesus Christ. I pray, God, that you would humble us, O oh Lord, in such a powerful way. Oh, Lord, you said that if we confess our sins, that you're faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. <laughs> 